Welcome to a reading of the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide for October, November and December 2013. Titled The Sanctuary, it is brought to you by the Sabbath School Department, Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, and through the services of Adventist Media Network. Lesson 3 for October 12 to 18, Sacrifices. Sabbath afternoon, October 12. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we open your word again today and for the rest of this week. We want to thank you for the sacrifices that were made in the past, which pointed forward to the major sacrifice that you and your Son made, and finally the death on the cross. As we open your word this week, please help us to understand what your word is for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Let's read that again, Romans 12, verse 1. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Central to the entire gospel is the concept of sacrifice. In the biblical languages, the words for sacrifice often depict the idea of drawing near and of bringing something to God. The basic meaning of the Hebrew for offering or sacrifice describes the act of approaching, the act of bringing something into the presence of God. The Greek equivalent means gift and describes the presentation of a sacrifice. Similarly, the English word offering comes from the Latin offere, the presentation of a gift. The word sacrifice is a combination of the Latin sacer, holy, and facer, make, and refers to the act of making something sacred. This week, we will look at some of the sacrifices that believers have offered to God. We will discover that God has always been calling for sacrifices, and He is still doing so today. Of course, and most important, God provided the ultimate sacrifice, that of himself, in the person of Jesus Christ. Sunday, October 13, The First Sacrifice Question. Read Genesis chapter 3, verses 9 to 21. What was God's response to Adam and Eve after they sinned? Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this thing, you are cursed more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. 
To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake, in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Adam and Eve lived in a perfect world in a sanctuary-like garden, and God granted them face-to-face communion with their Creator. Their first sin opened a normally insurmountable breach in their relationship to God. However, God had already planned how to counter such a breach of trust, and even before there came any judgment against them, He gave them the hope of a Saviour in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. From That I May Know Him by Ellen White, page 16, Adam and Eve stood as criminals before their God, awaiting the sentence which transgression had incurred. But before they heard of the thorn and the thistle, the sorrow and anguish, which should be their portion, and the dust to which they should return, they listened to words which must have inspired them with hope. Though they must suffer, they might look forward to ultimate victory. The Lord showed them the ultimate foundation of that victory when, immediately after his judgment speech, he made for them garments of skin to cover their nakedness and shame. Although unstated, it may be reasonable to assume that an innocent animal had to die for this, and perhaps even that it was understood as a kind of sacrifice. Genesis 3.21 Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. God's provision of clothes for the culprits became a symbolic act. Just as the sacrifices in the desert sanctuary guaranteed the special relationship between God and his people, so the clothing in the garden assured the guilty of God's unchanging goodwill toward them. So, from the earliest days of human history, sacrifices taught that sinful humans could find union with God, but only through the death of Christ, who was prefigured in those sacrifices. And so to finish today, reread Genesis 3, 9-21. What does it say to you that even before God spoke any words of judgment to the guilty pair, he gave them the promise of ultimate victory? What does this say about God's attitude towards us, even in our fallen state? Genesis 3, 9-21. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. 
And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this thing, you are cursed more than all cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children, your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake, in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return." And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Monday, October 14. Types of Offerings In Old Testament times, believers could bring offerings on different occasions and in different personal circumstances. Different objects they were allowed to offer included clean animals, grain or drink, as well as other things. The animal sacrifice is the oldest element in the sanctuary service and, together with the priestly service, belongs at the centre of the Israelite service. Religious life, without sacrifice, was inconceivable. Question. What kinds of offerings were described in the following texts? Exodus 12, 21-27, Leviticus 2, 1-3, Exodus 25, 2-7, and Leviticus 4, 27-31. First of all, Exodus 12, 21-27. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick up and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. And it shall come to pass, when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised, that you shall keep this service. And it shall be, when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? That you shall say, It is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshipped. And Leviticus chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. When anyone offers a grain offering to the Lord... 
His offering shall be of fine flour, and he shall pour oil on it, and put frankincense on it. He shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priests, one of whom shall take from it his handful of fine flour and oil with all the frankincense, and the priest shall burn it as a memorial on the altar, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. The rest of the grain offering shall be Aaron's and his sons. It is most holy of the offerings to the Lord made by fire. Exodus chapter 25 verses 2 to 7 Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. And Exodus 25 verses 2 to 7 Speak to the children of Israel that they may bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood, oil for the light, and spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, onyx stones, and stones to be set in the ephod, and in the breastplate. And Exodus chapter 25, verses 2 to 7. Speak to the children of Israel, that they may bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take from them. Gold, silver and bronze, blue, purple and scarlet thread, fine linen and goat's hair, ram skins dyed red, badger skins and acacia wood, oil for the light and spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And Leviticus chapter 4, verses 27 to 31. If any one of the common people sins unintentionally by doing something against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which ought not to be done, and is guilty, or if his sin which he has committed comes to his knowledge, then he shall bring as his offering a kid of the goats, a female without blemish, for his sin which he has committed. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering, and kill the sin offering at the place of the burnt offering." Then the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger, put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and pour all the remaining blood at the base of the altar. He shall remove all its fat, as fat is removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering, and the priest shall burn it on the altar for a sweet aroma to the Lord. So the priest shall make atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him." God established the sacrificial system so that believers could enter into a close relationship with Him. This is why offerings could be brought in all different kinds of situations, for thanksgiving, for an expression of joy and celebration, for a gift, for a petition for forgiveness, for a penitential plea, for a symbol of dedication, or for restitution. Among the most important types of offerings were the burnt offering in Leviticus 1 and the grain offering in Leviticus 2, as well as the peace or well-being offering of Leviticus 3, the purification offering of Leviticus 4, and the reparation or trespass offering of Leviticus 5 and 6. The first three were voluntary offerings, which were to remind the giver and us that in the end, everything that we are and all that we have belong to God. The burnt offering symbolizes the total dedication of the one making the offering. 
The grain offering symbolizes the dedication of our material possessions to God, whether they be food, animals, or something else. The well-being offering is the only sacrifice in which the participant receives a part of the offering for personal consumption. The other two sacrifices were obligatory. They reminded the people that, though wrongs have consequences, those wrongs can be healed. The purification offering, often called sin offering, was offered after ritual defilement or after the person became aware of a moral defilement through sin. So to finish today, the widespread function of the offerings shows that every aspect of our lives must come under God's control. How can you learn to surrender completely everything you have or are to Him? What happens when you don't do this? Tuesday, October 15, Sacrifice at Moriah Question. Read Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 to 19. What did Abraham learn about sacrifice? Now it came to pass, after these things, that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, and saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off, and Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood, and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham! So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord Will Provide, as it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing, and I have not withheld your son, your only son. 
blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. What was God's purpose in this incredible challenge to Abraham's faith? The patriarch's life with God had always been accompanied by divine promises. The promises of land, of descendants, and of blessings. The promise of a son, and the promise that God would take care of Ishmael. Abraham sacrificed, but it was always in the light of some promise. However, in the situation described in Genesis 22, Abraham did not get any divine promise. Instead, he was told to sacrifice the living promise, his son. Following through on God's command, Abraham showed that God was more important to him than anything else. Ellen White writes in Patriarchs and Prophets, page 154, It was to impress Abraham's mind with the reality of the gospel, as well as to test his faith, that God commanded him to slay his son. The agony which he endured during the dark days of that fearful trial was permitted that he might understand from his own experience something of the greatness of the sacrifice made by the infinite God for man's redemption. No other test could have caused Abraham such torture of soul as did the offering of his son. God gave his son to a death of agony and shame. Concerning the sacrifice, Abraham understood two essential principles. First, no one but God himself can bring the true sacrifice and the means of salvation. It is the Lord who will, who must provide. Abraham eternalizes this principle by naming the place Yahweh Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. Second, the actual sacrifice is substitutional, one that saves Isaac's life. The ram is offered in the place of Isaac, as we read in verse 13. That animal which God provided prefigures the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, on whom the Lord has laid the iniquity of us all, as we read in Isaiah 52, 6 and Acts chapter 8, verse 32. So to finish the day, what an astonishing surrender to God. Who can imagine what that experience must have been like for Abraham? Think about the last time that you had to reach out in sheer faith and do something that caused you a lot of anguish. What did you learn from your actions? How well has the lesson stuck? Wednesday, October 16, Life for a Life Question. Read Leviticus chapter 17, verses 10 to 11. What function does God give to the blood? And whatever man of the house of Israel, or of the strangers who dwell among you, who eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood, and will cut him off from amongst his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. 
In a passage where God instructs the Israelites not to eat any blood, he provides an interesting reason for this prohibition. Blood stands for life, and God has made sacrificial blood a ransom for human life. One life, represented by the blood, ransoms another life. The principle of substitution, which became explicit on Mount Moriah when Abraham offered the blood of the ram in the place of the blood of his son, is firmly anchored in God's legal requirements for ancient Israel. As in Genesis 22, God shows that it is He Himself who provides the means for atonement. In the Hebrew, the I in I have given it to you in Leviticus 17.11 is emphasized. We cannot provide our own ransom. God must give it. The concept is different from that of other religions that use sacrifices. In the Bible, it is not a human who approaches God and knows how to appease Him. It is God, rather, who provides the means for a person to come into His holy presence. And in Christ, He Himself provides the blood for ransom. Question. Read 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, and Micah chapter 6, verses 6 to 8. What are some of the dangers of the ritual system? 1 Samuel 15.22 So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. And Micah 6 verses 6 to 8 with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God." God never intended the sacrificial service to be a substitute for the attitude of the heart. On the contrary, the sacrifices were to open the heart of the believer to the Lord. If we lose sight of the fact that sacrifices express a spiritual relationship between God and us, and that they all point to a much greater sacrifice, Jesus Christ, we could easily mistake the sacrificial ritual for an automatic apparatus for making atonement. Besides sacrifice, God really wants our hearts to be right with Him, as He says in Psalm 51, verses 16 and 17. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow." Consistently, the Israelite prophets accused the people of false piety and called them to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with their God. Compare Isaiah chapter 1, verses 10 to 17. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? 
Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, and the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity in the sacred meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They are a trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the widow. So to finish the day, in what ways do we face the same danger as expressed above? Why is it often so hard to realise that we could be doing exactly what the ancient Israelites did in this area? How can we avoid this mistake? Thursday, October 17. Sacrifices today, living sacrifice. Though after Christ's sacrificial death there was no more need for animal sacrifices, the New Testament does talk about the need for another kind of sacrifice instead. Question. According to these texts, what kind of offerings are we to bring to God today? Romans 12, 1 and 2, Philippians 4, 18, Hebrews 13, verses 15 and 16, and 1 Peter 2, verse 5. First of all, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And Philippians chapter 4 and verse 18. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Ephroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Hebrews 13 verses 15 and 16. Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. And First Peter chapter 2, verse 5. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Terminology from the sacrificial system worked very well in describing the early Christian concept of what it meant to live a life totally consecrated to God. In fact, even when Paul was thinking about his martyrdom, he described himself as a drink offering. Philippians 2.17, yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Question, what specific message is given to us in Romans 12.1? In what ways are we to manifest this truth in our lives? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. 
A living sacrifice means that the entire person is given to God. It includes the dedication of the body, as in verse 1, as well as the transformation of the inner being, as in verse 2. We are to be set apart, holy, for the sole purpose of serving the Lord. Christians will present themselves wholly to the Lord because of the mercies of God, as described in Romans 12, 1-11, which presents Christ as our sacrifice, the means of our salvation. In this context, Paul's appeal is for Christians to imitate Christ. A true understanding of God's grace leads to a life consecrated to God and to a loving service for others. Surrender of self and the desires of self to the will of God is the only reasonable response to Christ's ultimate sacrifice for us. In the end, there has to be a harmony between our understanding of spiritual and doctrinal truth and our service to others. Every aspect of life should express the believer's genuine commitment to God. True worship is never only inward and spiritual, it must encompass outward acts of selfless service. After all, think about what our Lord has done for us. Friday, October 18. From the book Patriarchs and Prophets, page 155, we read, It had been difficult even for the angels to grasp the mystery of redemption, to comprehend that the commander of heaven, the Son of God, must die for guilty man. When the command was given to Abraham to offer up his son, the interest of all heavenly beings was enlisted. With intense earnestness they watched each step in the fulfilment of this command. When to Isaac's question, Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham made answer, God will provide himself a lamb. And when the father's hand was stayed as he was about to slay his son, and the ram which God had provided was offered in the place of Isaac, then light was shed upon the mystery of redemption. And even the angels understood more clearly the wonderful provision that God had made for man's salvation. And that brings us to our discussion questions. 1. Our feet will walk in his paths, our lips will speak the truth and spread the gospel, our tongues will bring healing, our hands will lift up those who have fallen and perform many mundane tasks, as well like cooking and cleaning, typing and mending. Our arms will embrace the lonely and the unloved, our ears will listen to the cries of the distressed, and our eyes will look humbly and patiently toward God. That's John Stott from his book Romans, page 322. In what ways does this quote show what it means to be a living sacrifice? Why is it that only through death to self could we ever be able to live like this? 2. As we saw during the week's lesson, one of the great problems that the people faced was seeing the sacrificial system as an end in itself instead of a means to an end, that end being a life wholly consecrated to God, a consecration that reveals itself in loving service to others. In what ways are Seventh-day Adventists, who have been given so much light, especially in danger of going down the same path, because 
perhaps we now think that the great truths we possess are an end in and of themselves, instead of a means to an end. 3. Dwell more on the story of Abraham and Isaac on Mount Moriah. However troubling this story is, one could argue that it was meant to be troubling, to cause consternation and distress. Why do you think anyone would argue that it was meant, among other things, to evoke those emotions in the reader? Inside Story Our story today is titled, Best Friends for Jesus. Moses is eight years old. He and his family live in the tiny country of Armenia, tucked between Turkey, Georgia and Azerbaijan. Moses and his family had just moved to a little village in western Armenia. Moses didn't know anyone there. When he met Hike, a boy his own age, the two boys quickly became friends. They enjoy playing and riding their bicycles together. Moses realized that Hike didn't know Jesus. His family didn't go to church, so Moses started praying for his friend. He wanted to invite Hike to church, but first he decided to give Hike a book about Jesus. Hike liked the book and started reading it even before Moses left his house. Mother noticed that Hike read late into the evening and again the next day. The book had lots of pictures that held Hike's interest. Later, when Hike visited, Mother asked the boys some questions about stories she knew were in the book, and Hike answered them all. Hike said that he tells his mother the stories that he reads, and now his mother and sister want to read the book too. A few days later, Hike asked Moses, "'May I go to church with you?' Moses was surprised and happy. "'Of course you can,' Moses said. "'I was going to invite you.' Hike loves church and wants to go every Sabbath." Children in Armenia don't have lesson quarterlies, so the teacher must read the lesson in Russian and tell it to the children in Armenian. Hike is so excited about what he's learning in church that he's invited some of his friends to go with him. One week, five boys and girls attended the church with Hike, and he's looking for more children to invite. Moses invited Hike, and now the boys are inviting others, and the church in Armenia is growing. Our offerings help support outreach in countries where Seventh-day Adventist membership is small. Thank you for stretching the arms of mission around the world through your offerings. This week's reading of the Adult Sabbath School Bible Study Guide has been brought to you by the Sabbath School Department, Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, and through the services of Adventist Media Network. Your reader has been Dr. Percy Harold. Remember, God is always faithful. Faithful.